Welcome, everybody. This is the first episode of Kids Ministry. This is real ministry for real people. My name is Zach, and today we are talking about volunteers. This is the question that everyone is asking. How do I get more volunteers? How do I get more people to help in my Sunday schools, in my kids ministry? And this is something that, honestly will always be a struggle. No matter how far we go, how big you get, how many staff you have, this will always be a struggle. But it's a good struggle to have. Um, Lots of different uh, sizes of churches that we're talking about. I know some of you guys are volunteers and you oversee maybe, you know, five kids, you know, 10 kids, 15 kids, whatever that may be. Some are part-time staff overseeing more kids. Some are full-time staff. Some are staff overseeing staff. Some are lead pastors or associate pastors overseeing kids pastors. So many different levels here. But this is something that we all will struggle with, that we all have to make sure that we have um, people in our rooms in our classrooms with our kids that are loving them teaching them about jesus and we are only one person i know that you guys are loving and so dedicated to your kids but you're only one person and if you have more than you know a dozen kids you need help and this is where finding competent people to come alongside you to serve your kids to love them to tell them about Jesus this is why it's so important and i'll tell you a little bit about my history with the with this issue i've um started a lot years ago i was just a volunteer i wanted to help out i heard that you know the same thing up on stage I heard they needed help in the kids ministry i walked down in the wing i said hey i'll i'm willing to help and they were awesome. They love it. Uh, first week, shadow someone. Next week, I'm teaching the story. And I was just thrown totally into the deep end. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is happening? And for me, I was actually a newer Christian. I actually learned a lot of my Bible knowledge through teaching. And that's how I became, I fell in love with um kids ministry with uh, learning the Bible and then teaching the Bible on a very simple level. That was very exciting for me. And then later I got involved um, on a Sunday. I was Sunday staff for a while and then went into full-time overseeing age groups, overseeing staff, and now overseeing um, a whole kids ministry right now. And it's always been a struggle to get people to come in we're doing pushes all the time in different ways. So I want to talk about a couple strategies, um, a couple uh, strategies that you might already try. And then I want to talk about one big philosophical concept that I think is the most important thing that every ministry, not just kids ministry, but every single ministry needs to be doing. And I think this will really help your kids ministry thrive it will bring people alongside um, you and your ministry and what you're doing and it will really give them ownership and you'll start to get these high capacity leaders that will go above and beyond your expectations Um, so the first thing 
is you need pastor buy-in. Whoever your lead pastor, your associate pastor, they need really to buy into kids' ministry. And maybe you're saying, Zach, yes, oh my goodness, you're preaching in the choir right here. My pastor doesn't um, understand what we're trying to do. He doesn't help me. And I would encourage you to have a conversation because your job as a kids pastor, as an associate pastor, as a volunteer, is to serve the lead pastor and to serve. So understanding maybe you don't understand or you guys are on the same page about what the true vision of the ministry is. And this is the first step of getting on the same page with the whole team, all the pastoral staff, all the ministry leader staff, getting on the same page and say, what is our job in kids ministry? And understanding that so you can start to build out from that. If the ministry is to just do uh, child care where adults get um, the real teaching, you know, I disagree with that. But if that's what your lead pastor says, then you have to understand that. And maybe you're serving at the wrong church if you have some that view that doesn't agree with each other. Now, I don't want to cross division. I hope that isn't the case. But understanding you can't serve under a vision that you don't agree with or that you're not willing to follow. That's the main point here. Hopefully you have a conversation and I think it'll probably be, yes, we want kids ministry. We want them to know about Jesus. We want to do this, that, and that. And now start to build out of that. Okay, so if you're saying this, then that means that we need to have great volunteers and know how to teach um, the Bible and know how to teach these to kids. Yes. Okay. How do we start to create that vision? Now you're working alongside each other and that will really influence, um, you know, how he, how maybe your teaching pastor teaches that on Sunday and even says, you know, this is what we're all about. Cause constantly hearing about the vision of the church is going to be so important to walk alongside. If if your pastor is not preaching about kids ministry or even more importantly past, uh, preaching about serving, then it's not really going to help you. But if you're in a serving church where everyone is a family, if you're part of the family, you come and help the family, then that will really help um, people have a servant heart. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you need to have a really um, solid and efficient onboarding process because so many th- uh, people, they want to serve, but if you have tons of forms that you have to fill out and and you're not keeping track of who your volunteers are and who your people serving in classroom are, then they're not going to feel cared for. So you need to go above and beyond and figure out how are we planning this um, onboarding process. Okay, first someone's interested, then what happens? Do they fill out a form? Do they do this? And then what system are you putting them in to remember who they are? What age group do they want to serve in? What frequency do they want to serve in? You need to come up with a system um, uh, that works for you and that everyone's being cared for and communicated to properly. And there are so many great systems out there. You can come up with your own. You can use Excel sheets. You can use um, church management software if your church has one of those. There's so many great ones out there. Um, But even just an Excel sheet where you're keeping track of that is really good. And there's so many free forms online too. If your church has a website, they probably have something they build forms with. 
but even Google Forms um, is really great for doing that, and that's free, and that's simple. Um, so that's the second thing. These are kind of boring things, but you need to have these set up before you start to introduce people, because if you don't have these things set up, these fundamental things set up, then as people come into the process, they're going to fall through the cracks, and you're not going to know, and you think, where did all my volunteers go? Well, you had volunteers... They just flip through the cracks, and you didn't reach out to them, and Susie said she's willing to serve all the time, but you never reached out to her because you didn't understand that, you know, and it's not necessarily putting that on you, but you need to understand and create systems for yourself so you don't forget those things. So now that you've got church buy-in, you got vision, direction, you got a good system, you got you know you won't forget anyone here's the third thing and then i'm going to talk about the fourth thing which is the biggest thing that is amazing and i hope it changes your mindset so the third thing is relationships this is all about where if you're a church and you're a leader of the ministry, your job is not to do the ministry, your job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And it's about building relationships with people. Your volunteers are the people that you're caring for, um, that you're meeting with coffee, that you're asking how their life is going. These aren't just workers for you, these are friends for you. And you really need to embody that, to love them and care for them and and. This might be really hard to do on a Sunday because you're running in, you're setting up, God, check in, oh, that's such a mess. And then as soon as it's done, you got to clean it all up or maybe you have another service that you got to prep for. Um, And that's a lot of stuff and that's really hard to do. So maybe creating um, ways to do a pre-service meeting and asking them to come in a little bit earlier and you're probably thinking, oh, I can't ask them to do any more than they already do. And that's a lie that we tell ourselves. We make up these arbitrary lines about what we think people will say yes and no to. We need to get rid of that. People want to help. And if you tell them the vision and what's going on, then they will be willing to step up and rise to the occasion. So, you need to bring them in earlier and have some time. Hey, how's everyone's week going? And, you know, make it efficient and quick and, you know, be very aware, socially aware about what's right for you guys. But ask them and pray together, talk about the service, talk about the needs, talk about kids. That will help you grow in community. Um, but midweek is really important. Grab a coffee with someone. Uh, just hang out with them and start to build some relational currency. Uh, There's a concept that talks about this idea of relational currency that we all um, have kind of like a bank and you can take deposits and withdrawals. So when you put deposits in the relational bank, you're building into the, you're going for coffee, you're hanging out, you're asking how the day is, you're praying with each other, you're laughing together. All these things are building relational currency. You're putting, uh, making deposits. When you ask for a favor, hey, Susie, I know you've served eight weeks in a row and you want to take this Sunday off, but would you be willing to come in again? That's making a relational deposit. So if you don't have 
no, sorry, a relational withdrawal. If you don't have any money in the bank, relational currency, you can't make any withdrawals. And then Susie's going, you know what, kids ministry leader, you're a joke. And you don't know what's going on. And, you you know, I don't feel like this is something that I want to serve in. And the min- everything's messy and the ministry isn't something that I'm passionate about anymore. And that's so heartbreaking to hear. And I've heard that lots of times. And sometimes people haven't said directly to my face. But I've known that's what's happened because it's been messy. So we want to... We want that not to happen. And we want to actually make sure that we're, um, our systems are in place for scheduling and our relational currencies are high so that when things do come, hey, so-and-so called in sick, Susie, would you be willing to come in? Of course I would. I actually wanted to chat more about our coffee because it was so great. I would love to do it. And now it's actually, it becomes another deposit instead of withdrawal because you're so high. You're getting dividends, money on your money. So that's the third thing is building uh, relationships. And also the other part of that is utilizing relationships that you have. Um, I know a classic example is uh, one time in my um, kids ministry career, we had a service that we couldn't fill. Our two-year-old rooms at our 12 o'clock service, it was never could be filled and it was always a joke that there would be um four husbands of the kids ministry staff serving in that room because that that's the last ask the last ask is the spouse and that is a truth that we ask people around us because we ask people that we know we have a relational currency with our friends our close friends people in our small groups spouses um, kids, you know, these are just the people around us that we're asking. And I would say that's not wrong or not a bad thing to ask the people that you are, have relationships with, but you don't want to stop there. You don't want to, um, you know, build, just keep asking your spouse every single week because you're not building the ministry. You're not equipping other people to come alongside But there's definitely been times in my life where I've asked someone close to me, or even asked someone not so close to me, but I've asked, hey, would you be willing to do this for this amount of time, three months, six months, you know, a couple weeks, just while I take, get my head wrapped around what's going on. That's something, an often strategy I use when I feel overwhelmed or I'm stepping into a new role that isn't in a healthy place. I go and ask someone, hey, um usually someone I know and have a little bit of relational currency with, or I just know that someone who's, you know, devoted, strong, I make, um, I go up to them, have an agreement, say, hey, would you be willing to do this for this set amount of time? And then after that amount of time, I'm going to have a leader who I'm going to build up and you can go. And there's probably a couple of those people in your church. They are just like, the magical people who seem to always have more time on their hands. They're like the unicorns. Um, so 
asking one of those people for a set amount of time is good because you don't want to lock them into a place. If they have that high capacity, then they can actually go and do more and equip and train more people to be like them. So you don't want to kind of pigeonhole them in a little bit of a role. You want to utilize them for a set amount of time and then build someone up in that role. And I'm sure they those people would be more than happy to help you in that situation. All right, so first we have vision and pastor buy-in. Your church has to be utilized on the same page. Second, we have, you need to have your systems in place, your scheduling systems, your onboarding systems. Um, You need to have good systems to help you succeed. Third, we have relationships. You need to be a relational person. And if you're not, just another comment on this, if you're not a relational person, you need to make sure that you have someone close to you who is a relational person. It's okay if you're not. Maybe you're the systems person. You're like, I have all the data. I have all the spreadsheets. You know, you just nerd out about that stuff. That's amazing. That's not a bad thing. You need to do that. But you need to find someone else on your team. And maybe you ask them, hey, would you be the relational person on this team? And would you make sure that, you know, go for coffee, meet with people, equip them in power to do that so they know they are getting relational stuff from people. So relational stuff. And then the third thing is you need to equip and empower people to do more stuff. So what I mean by this is oftentimes we think I'm the leader, I need to do everything, And I need to get enough volunteers to help me fill the schedule. And we just get volunteers and we're struggling for volunteers. And that's basically our whole life. What we need to do is not expect the least of people. We can't expect the most, the like lowest common denominator out of people. We need to expect the most out of people. So... It's asking someone to take on more. So let's say you have um, four classrooms on a Sunday. Instead of you trying to fill all four classrooms, you know, with four volunteers each, that's um, 16 people. Instead of you trying to find 16 people each week, it's going to someone and saying, Hey, Susie, everyone's named Susie in this church. Hey, Susie. Would you be willing to be my nursery class leader? Would you be willing to oversee this class? Help me find the volunteers. Find, actually, no, don't say help me. Find the volunteers. Train the volunteers. Oversee the scheduling. Help me, um, let me know when their, their new toys need to be filled, when things are broken. Help me fix those things. Um, would you be willing to do that? And this level of ownership is what you need to do. And now there's three important things that you need to do when you give someone a role like this. They need to have um, the responsibility. So that's what you just gave them. You gave them the responsibility. You said, hey, would you be responsible for finding volunteers, for scheduling each week, to um, training the volunteers, to loving the volunteers, caring for the volunteers? Um you know, letting me know, uh, if anything's broken in the room, then you need to have accountability. So 
uh, you set goals with that person, you set um, clear expectations with that person, and then you hold them accountable. Now, this sounds like the most negative thing, but to do this right, you need to keep them accountable because otherwise there's no point in having them in this role. Uh, if you have them in this role, then it's like just like another warm body doing nothing. But if you set accountability and say, hey, I noticed that you only had one nursery person and we had to turn families away, what happened there? And you have a conversation, figure out, keep them accountable. But the, this, and this is the X factor, the third thing, they need to have authority over that room. They need to have the authority to go into that room and say, hey, you know what? Instead of having four volunteers, I actually want to have five volunteers. And you have to say, okay, you know the outcomes, you know the goals, you know what we're trying to achieve um, in this room. I'm going to let you make that decision. And you truly do make let them make that decision. Now, some of you are like, that's crazy. What are you talking about, Zach? Like, who's going to do this role? And how are they going to be that skilled and equipped to do that role? And this is what I'm talking about. You can't think the lowest common denominator about this person. Because here's the truth of the matter. Somebody, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to get better in your role, somebody came up to you at one point and said, hey, would you do this role? And maybe um, you actually asked to do that role because you applied for a job and you got hired on that job. You asked for that responsibility. That's what you need to do with other people is ask them to do something or maybe there's someone that's right in front of you that actually wants to do that but you're keeping them at bay and you're just letting them serve every single week and that's all you're doing what more could they be doing and then so so responsibility accountability and then authority now the important thing about authority is to understand that when you give someone authority, you need to create boundaries. So this is part of the systems that you create. So you don't have to let them, you know, I decided our nursery's room is going to accept kids from zero to 10 years old. It's like, no, you can't make decisions like that. That's crazy. So you give them a boundary and sometimes it's called a sandbox. You give them a sandbox to play within it. So you outline the scope of the role. Hey, you know, there's this much budget that we have, but you actually have freedom within this much budget. You know, you have $100 a year to meet with people and run events. It's like, so whatever you want to do, but they can't say, no, I want $200. No, we decided that the sandbox was within $100. The sandbox is that you know, you have to run this curriculum, the sandbox is this, 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 this. So clearly outlining that, and they can make decisions within that sandbox. Now be careful, some of the things, if this is your first time doing this, you'll want to keep the sandbox very closed. But I would encourage you to think of that one thing, what if this did change, what would happen? If you're thinking, you know, maybe it could change, I would encourage you to say yes. Let it be open. Because people are going to, they're going to rise to the occasion. And if not, then that's okay. That's a learning curve. And you can talk to them, keep them accountable, and maybe train them. And to have someone do this role well, you need to train them well. 
So you can't just throw, I mean, if you have some experience who's been doing kids ministry for a long time from another place or in your church, then great. But if it's a new person, or even if it's a person that doesn't know your ways, your strategies, then you need to train them. And these are a couple simple steps for training is I do, you watch, we do together, you do, I watch, you do, I leave, and then now you're you do, I come in and keep you accountable. So I'll say those again. So first, I'll explain them. First, if I was the trainer and Susie was the person I was training, I would do the thing and I would, Susie would watch me do the thing and I would explain what I was doing to Susie. Like, hey Susie, so, you know, here's how we clean up. We put this, 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 this. Next week, we both do it together. And she does it a little bit more, and I do it, and I keep explaining, and I let her do some explaining. Next week, I'm just watching Susie do it. Susie, you do it. I'm just watching. Then if she feels comfortable, maybe you have to do that week again, or maybe you have to recruit some of these steps, just keep in constant communication with her, or them, not in this case, it's a her with Susie, but then you then it says all right Susie next week you're on your own um you're gonna do it and I'm gonna come in and check on you of course you can ask me questions of course I'm gonna check on you but then now I'm gonna start to keep you accountable so I'll come in the first week hey Susie I noticed this wasn't in place um you know what was going on there did you forget or what and she's like oh I totally forgot you know there's so many new things no problem Susie is there any way I can help uh, help that for next week. No, I got a list. I just forgot to put on my list. It'll be on my list next week. Awesome. Next week, you check it again. Oh, it's good to go, or it's not good. Now you're keeping her accountable. Hey, Susie, notice this thing again. What's going on there? She's like, you know, honestly, it's just so hard to get that thing done in the morning. Oh, Susie, could I help you? Now you're training, and you're you're coaching her, and you're making her better, because now it's her responsibility to make it happen your responsibility is to train her to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and that's going to help you go so far so those are the basic things uh i hope this was helpful this has been so good for me i've seen i've seen kids staff oversee you know one or two volunteers i've seen staff oversee 400 volunteers with this strategy because uh, right now I have staff and she oversees 11 key volunteers who oversee over 500 people so one staff member and a matter of fact one part-time staff member oversees 500 volunteers using this method um so encourage you guys to really do it, even in small ways. Hey, maybe my teardown, my setup team, my check-in team. Um, and if it's a team of two or three people, that's okay. You take one person and make them the leader and you give them authority and accountability. Uh, awesome, guys. I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions, please let me know. We'll keep talking about things like this in the new weeks. But hope you're having a great kids ministry and i hope you have a great sunday because sunday comes every seven days whether you want it to or not so take the time to try to implement these things in the rush of the week okay we'll see you next week